and everybody in between to Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am one of your four hosts this week. Good Lord. This is turning into a CNN-like panel here. Uh, but I am Chris Peterson, founder, editor-in-chief of Onstage Blog, onstageblog.com. This is this podcast is brought to you, as always, by the Onstage Blog Network. Um, join with me, Mr. Brendan Foley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? What is going on? It's been way too long. Way, way, way too long. We've let these stories build. Uh, I've noticed something inside of myself, emotionally, physically, mentally. Uh, when this podcast is not a part of my life, uh, I get a little out of control. I, things, <laughs> it's like it's like the the tea kettle. I can't let the steam out, so I just start quoting Star Wars like every day or something, oh, rocking back and forth. You know, making Kevin Smith references, and people are like, "What is this guy talking about?" So. Uh, I need you guys. You you guys, you complete Can we complete me. you? <laughs> there it is. There it is. And if you recognize that voice, that is Miss Lynette Williams. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Looking forward to this weekend, to seeing yes. you. Yes, I'm super excited. Can't talk, wait. We'll, we'll mention Broadway Con a little bit later in the, in the pod, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into what that ridiculous name of a convention sounds like, but we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, and of course... Last but certainly not least, Mr. Bobby Larson, how are you, sir? What's up, nerds? <laughs> <laughs> Got straight out of rehab when I came straight here. Let's rock and roll. Oh, oh man. Welcome back. Welcome back. All right, folks. Well, Welcome this is you your... back. I know. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a while. So really happy to be back uh, talking about all things entertainment. And for those folks who have not listened to this podcast before, what you should know is that all four of us, I mean, if if is there another better word for craving for um, just just uh, taking in every bit of entertainment possible? Because that is what the four of us do. What we like to do on this podcast is typically bring some stories that we found interesting in the past week about anything from movies, music, television, books, uh, food, just politics every now and then. I mean, everything. And we talk about it here on this podcast. But the kicker is we have no idea what each other are bringing to the table. So all of our reactions are genuine. You're going to hear some hot takes. You might get a little debate here and there. Um, definitely um, not safe for work, so to speak. <laughs> so uh, let's get right into it, let Ben. Me, Chris, Chris, let, go me ahead. Just, let me just stop you. Let me take it one step further. Please. Uh, we love entertainment so much. We desperately crave it as the title of the pod. But I'll take it one step further and say we're obsessed with it. Mm. Everything else in our life takes a backseat to it. Uh, every major event with like family, friends, it, you know, we'll deal with it, but it's just to get to the movies. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like, uh, you know, Ted Bundy had a wife as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's, it. That's just There's... a statement. We all know where his focus was. <laughs> Good Lord. Good Lord. All right. Well, Ben, now that you've said that, um, why don't you kick us off, man? What's your first story this week? All right. Speaking of awkward moments. Uh, let's talk about the season premiere of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Larry David is back um, and with a vengeance. 
it's it you know it's been a while since the last season um and then there was a big hiatus before last season i think this one's bigger and and better than the last one uh i love the whole flow the vibe i've missed him so much it's such a simple show it's definitely the beginning of the three camera setup improv show you know is definitely the originator um, because this show, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it started in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's way before It's Always Sunny. It's before The Office. It's before all those things where shows that we know, like Parks and Rec, shows that incorporated the improv-heavy, uh, let's get a storyline, and then point three cameras at our, actor, at our actors. Before it became a part of our culture, it started this off. And it started small, and it just evolved into a bigger thing. Um I love this show. Uh, Bobby was over. Katie was over. We watched the show. It was so awkward, so crazy. Um, there were moments in this week's episode that were cringeworthy. Uh, I, I have a bunch of favorites. I thought this episode was probably one of the strongest of the series. As far as just, uh, it had my favorite, had Leon in it, who is my favorite character of all, Leon Black, my favorite character of all time. Um, <laughs> well, he, there, he's part of the Black family. And so the blacks, when the blacks. The, when the blacks moved in, <laughs> get referenced like that. that sounds terrible when you guys say it. Someone else say it other than me. Um, so when uh, he's one of my favorite characters, it was great use of Leon. I know some episodes can get Leon heavy or Leon light. I thought it was perfect. Perfect Jeff use, perfect uh, Jeff's wife, uh, great stuff. Chris, what are what are your thoughts? I know you mentioned it earlier. Oh my gosh! I mean, it, it is it, it's in my top three or four comedies um, of all time, of all time. Period. It's it's one of the only shows where I'm laughing out loud every single episode. There's not a single episode I, I've I've seen where I've not laughed out loud. Uh, there are some episodes where I'm crying laughing just like this episode by the way i was crying laughing uh and even better my wife who i watch it with usually pulls the covers over her head because she can't stand the awkwardness and that's that's when you know it's good that's when you know it's gold in this episode i mean you know i'll put i'll put a spoiler warning up on on the site but um when he starts wearing the maga hat all over the place i mean <laughs> that was one of the greatest and we and the second the second he started pondering, he knew exactly what you he was going to do. You knew what he was going to do. You knew what he was going to do. And it was perfect. Um, I love the Mocha Joe stuff, which was phenomenal. Um, yeah. No, this show, it's it's a—it's almost – I, I mean, it, I'd have to really dig deep and become a nitpicker to find the imperfections with it, but I have no problem calling it a perfect comedy. So. Yeah, especially this episode. I, I, I'll, I'll one-up you on this one, though. I, Katie left the room. And then started doing something. <laughs> I think she started getting ready for bed. And then she wasn't even tired when she got back. She was like, all right, what are we doing now? But she totally left the room to go do something because it was so awkward at some <laughs> points. I think the most awkward for me was the whole business with the pigs in the blanket. And then he confronts <laughs> oh, yeah. the waitress in the kitchen and then grabs her boob. That was like so <laughs> amazing. It's just the whole... The whole Harvey Weinstein thing. They've been gone too long. They made comments on everything that's been going on since they filmed last. It was great. Bobby, what were your thoughts? <laughs> I, w- I loved it so much. I may have to rewatch it, or as Leon would say, uh, retap. I might have to retap it. <laughs> and go get a cup of, uh, go get a latte from uh, Latte Larry's. <laughs> I love it because it's modeled after one of my top three favorite shows, Seinfeld. And every episode is terrific. 
Um, there's so much stuff going on that you forget about it, except that, you know, you laughed the entire episode and every episode is like that. I love it. I love it. You know, this is a silly note, but it's the only show that is filmed in California that makes me want to move to Southern California. Like when I watched Kirby Enthusiasm, I'm like, I want to live there. But then I realized where they're actually living and I'm like, wait, snap out of it. No, you don't. But it just, it makes, it, this show makes living in, South, in Southern California look amazing. So that's awesome. Lynette, uh, have you, are you, a, are you, are you a Curb fan? What's going on? Um, I used to watch it. Like I haven't, I honestly didn't realize that it was the premiere this week. I don't know where I was. Oh, yeah, I was in a different world. I was in movie world. Uh, but yeah, I'll check it out. I will love it. I'm sure I will love it because I love I love Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is funny because I was never a big Seinfeld fan. I think it's very interesting that I actually prefer Curb more than Seinfeld. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, when when did you stop with Curb? Was it the Michael J. Fox season <laughs> where Michael J. Fox is about to be Michael J. Fucked up? <laughs> oh my god. I couldn't. I couldn't tell you exactly when. I'm. I'm weird like that. I feel like I. I ebb and flow with it. Like I keep coming in and out of it and catching it at different points. It's not like it's a. It's a stream. It's a conscious stream for me. It's not linear. It's. It's. It's a Doctor Who-ish for me. I kind of bounce around time and space with it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, that was my first story. I. I just think Larry's back. You know, we need a lot of laughter, uh, in this world of misery and dread and. Uh, scheming foreign countries for uh, favors. <laughs> so uh, good times. And it's it, good time. And it, we watched it at Ben's house, and it's going to be our ongoing tradition because it comes on right after our other favorite show, The Outsider. Little tangent, but if you guys haven't watched that, I highly recommend it. It's my favorite show on TV. Nice, nice. All right, well, Bobby, with that, why don't you give us your first story for the week? All right. Well, speaking of things that. We watch in movies and TV. I um, I decided to do, do something that you guys haven't done in a while. Ooh. I did a little uh, little uh, dive into the Nicolas Cage world. Oh. <laughs> I, I checked out his IMDb again. All right. Uh, I don't know where you guys left off before. Um, but this year, he has so far five movies coming out. Prisoners of Ghostland, 10 Double Zero, Jiu Jitsu, The Croods 2, and Pig. <laughs> uh, I think we heard about Jiu Jitsu. That was the one. Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah. so Pig. I even got the, uh, the the stories of him. Wait, he's an ex-military CIA operative? No, 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 no. We'll get to that. So Pig, uh, a truffle hunter. It had me hooked already. A truffle hunter who lives alone in the Oregonian wilderness must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. <laughs> now, if that's not an Oscar winner, nothing will be. Then you've got ten double zero. Detective Damon Reeves is an infamous is infamous for crossing the line when he has to. After several fellow officers are killed in a brazen public shootout with bank robbers, Reeves and his partner set out on a personal vendetta to hunt down the cop killers. As they get closer to solving the crime, they soon find themselves the targets of a conspiracy in the ranks of the police forces. That sounds great. He, so he's, an, he's not a habitual line stepper. He's an infamous Infamous. Line <laughs> Third word in there. Wow. Oh, here's a good one. Prisoners of the Ghostland. 
a notorious criminal must break an evil curse in order to rescue an abducted girl who has mysteriously disappeared. <laughs> and then you got the Wally's Wonderland, who, uh, you know, he, he's in the uh, Wally's Wonderland where he has to fight the demonic animatronics. Fist flies, that... kicks land, and titans clash. <laughs> we talked about that one. That one, because yep. I remember it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so, that one sounds good. So I did a deep dive, and I... Um, well, I did a really deep dive because I watched two Nicolas Cage movies today. Oh. That was my research today. I first watched. Uh, oh, shit. I watched another one a couple days ago. Yeah, tell that one. Tell that one. Um, what the hell was that one? Primal. Oh, Primal. Oh, you saw Primal. They're the, yeah, they're on the ship where yes. he has all these exotic animals and a white leopard that he finds and he captures the whole thing is cgi first of all and it looks terrible uh the <laughs> first line cats? <laughs> not that bad <laughs> they, they didn't lose a hundred million dollars on this one yeah so it starts out with him in a jungle he captures it in the most unrealistic way they put all these animals on a ship and these cheesy guys with guns show up to transport a a person a, a criminal who cannot fly because he has an inner ear issue and he can't be in that altitude. So they, they ship him across the uh, the sea. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I know I killed a lot of people, but I got allergies. Uh, so I can't <laughs> get on the plane. All right, first class. First class. So the movie starts. Uh, bad guy gets loose. He lets all the animals free. And Nick Cage does what he does best and overreacts at everything. And I had one of the worst endings ever. Nice. I don't. I don't know if I would recommend it um, because it would be hard to recommend somebody watch a head-on car collision, uh, which is what it's equivalent to. <laughs> so so today, I watched two more. I watched The Color Out of Space. Oh, that, yes. I'm actually missing that to record this right now. Ooh. So I watched it. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, so was I. Yeah. It's very German film, right? Well, maybe a German director. Yeah. Had no German feel to it. Oh. They're just in the woods and an asteroid hits and everything starts turning purple. Um, there was a couple parts that made me say, oh, wow. Uh, and then there was some bad acting, a little Nicolas Cage off the rails, a couple scenes. Nice. Um, I don't like I don't know if I would suggest that one either. It was a little <laughs> artsy, but maybe a little too artsy at times. Mm. Um, I will let you guys be the judge of that. Um, yeah, <laughs> you'll probably watch it anyways. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one I watched was on Netflix today called uh, Kill Chain. Mm. Where <laughs> have you heard of that one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's a hotel owner and there's assassins in there trying to kill each other. Yeah. It was for a, a shoot 'em up movie, it was one of the more un followable stories that you needed to have in a shoot 'em up movie. I mean, people were admitting things at the end where you had no idea what the hell they were talking about or why, and you don't care. And then ends on a question mark of where the hell is he going now? The action was bad. The acting was bad. He wasn't even the first 45 minutes of it. So my question to you guys is, um, Nicholas Cage, <laughs> maybe I should just stop right there. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Do we give him credit for the good movies that he did? Uh, and do we look at those films now and think he's a good actor now? Because these movies were terrible. Besides Mandy, which was an interesting movie, 
well acted and crazy, crazy, crazy. If you watch these two movies, you would think, how is he still making movies today? So is he still relevant uh, today? I mean, if you look at Into the Spider-Verse, and then he also did the voice of Superman in Teen Titans Go, which actually I just watched, which was awesome and spectacular. I like that one. Uh, I think he has a couple one-offs, but yeah, I think you're, I think, I think he definitely jumped a couple of sharks, maybe like 15. (laughs) Yeah, they were just, they were terrible. I'm sorry, but uh, I mean, I'm definitely going to watch those crazy ones he's got coming out where he's fighting robots. And, you know, if he fights uh, a shark with three eyes that shoots laser beams out of the middle one, I'll probably watch that too. Chris, Chris, what do you think of the state of the cage? What do you think? I mean, Nicholas Cage in yes mode, meaning I'll say yes to anything, is it's a it's a double edged sword because I feel it's like a gift and a curse in a way because like he's giving us so much and yet so much of it is not necessarily good. But at the same time, it's like I I like a world where I can get twenty Nick Cage movies a year. Like I, that's mm-hmm. that's a good that's a good that's a good world to be in. You know. I don't understand the question <laughs> because all Nicolas Cage films are highly recommended. It's, oh. it's just, and they're all films. You haven't seen these though. <laughs> I don't need to see them to recommend them. <laughs> That's the problem. I mean, when we, when you guys talked about primal before and everyone had an instant hard on, including Lynette over this. And then when you actually watch it, it was a major letdown. Did I? Did I actually have a heart on for it? It's not going to be a good movie. <laughs> That's the whole point. But it was such a bad movie. It was a waste of two hours. But the question is, is was it a good bad movie? No, like, no. No. No, it was a movie that was on and then it ended. And you're like, well, there's time I won't get back. Oh, all right. Wow. Yeah, it's like going on a bad date. Okay. I don't know what that's like. I don't have bad dates. Bill. That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Lynette, what is All your right. first story this week? All right, my first story this week. I hope you guys can get ready for it because I might go off the rails a little. Just saying. All right. All right. I've been waiting to talk about this because it's it's just been on my mind. The Oscar nominations came out. All right. Thank mm. you. Yes. Yes. And I. I. I found an article, which I think I'm going to I'm going to keep to the article. So the article was on the Mary Sue and the the title was, does the Academy think that Jojo Rabbit and Little Women directed themselves? And I think it sums it up nicely. Uh, My issue with the Academy Awards is, is hashtag Oscar so white. So many white nominations, so many male nominations. And they overlooked so many good movies that I'm just like, and performances that I, I'm just appalled. I don't, I don't, they obviously didn't learn their lesson. They, they're not, they don't care. And it was almost like a slap in the face. They're like, all right, you want us to be forward thinking. Well, we'll show you how primeval we can be. And they were just like, boom, we're going to put it down. So my thing is, that you had this great movie, Jojo Rabbit, which I really got nominated for Best Picture. I think it should win, hands down. I've only got like two more movies to see, 
but I think it should win hands down. And I don't understand how a movie can be nominated for Best Picture and not have your director nominated. Um, and, you know, it goes along the lines of, with, I haven't seen Little Women yet. I will get there. Um, but again, um, female director didn't get nominated. Uh, movies that, it feels like almost any movie that had a forward female push was overlooked completely, including Frozen 2. I don't understand how I watched all all of the animated movies this weekend, and I don't know how Frozen 2 did not get nominated for Best Animated Feature. Um, so I'm, real, I'm mad. I'm really mad. I'm upset. I'm angry. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. And that's not to say that... No, that is to say, because I think some of the movies that were nominated for Best Picture probably shouldn't have been on there. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's 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 what it is. My article, that's what I'm talking about. Let's talk Oscars. Let's do this. What are yeah. we thinking? Uh, Lynette, you know, I, I, I totally, I, a thousand percent agree. Um, you know, there's only a couple of years where I just totally, listen, that, that being said, I agree with everything you said. Um, but there's only a couple of years in there where I agree with everything that they've nominated. You know, I know I have a kind of uh, wild choice of movies sometimes, but this year I thought that I was clipping along and watching some great movies. Um, I watched Booksmart. I watched Midsummer. I watched some really good flicks. I watched a lot of the Best Picture nominees. And um, now, from my perspective, I don't need the Academy Awards to nominate a movie with minorities or women just because they feel obligated to. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. No. And like, even you said that once upon a time in Hollywood, freaking Tarantino masterpiece. Right. right. And I agree. Right. Yep. And so, and that's a movie filled with predominantly white people. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's a good movie is a good movie, a good movie. You know what I mean? Like, so I have no problem with that one being nominated for best picture, best director, best actor, best, do it because that movie deserves it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but Lynette, you are so I don't know how to, to write this. And I don't know if this is a systemic long term Hollywood thing that women and people of color haven't been able to get movies produced or movies even recognized. I mean, I just really I, I recently watched us again and that was an amazing movie nominated yeah. as a comedy N nominated as nothing well, nothing right. for the oscars yeah nothing no. and that movie and i don't know if that's timing or whatever or maybe it's like oh he won for get out so we can't give it to him again or i don't know what the politics are i think there's a lot a lot of pageantry that goes along that we say on this podcast a lot but I don't know how to fix this situation or is it systemic and it's not going to be fixed ever. I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, there was, I forgot which article I was reading, but it said something like the, um, the Academy, the voters of the Academy is like 98. It's something ridiculous, like 95 to 98% white and then 60% male. Um, and so it's like, well, well, that's part of the problem. <laughs> like, Right. I mean, but but that being said, like those people that are nominated, I, I'm a white male. Right. But I, I like to think I'm non-biased as far as the movies I watch. I like True. a movie 
I like a movie if it's good, period. I don't care who directed it, who stars in it. Like, if I'm entertained, I'm screaming at the screen or freak the F out at Midsummer or whatever the movie is. Right. I'm like, holy shit, that was an experience. Like, I I base my movie likes on my emotions and the merits of the film as far as my nerddom. And right. so I, I don't think that should have any bearing on it. If, if you know, if if the Academy was filled with white supremacist or something like we should be alarmed i mean but what you're pointing out is i'm not downplaying what you're pointing out i mean that's a problem in itself like the people that are on the nominating ballot are white males so that that needs to be fixed as well but i don't get it i i feel like there was plenty of films out there that were from a wide variety of peoples of this world and it's mm-hmm. just it's shocking it's yeah. it's so shocking and and as we're talking about this there's plenty of films out there that are made. I know that the film scope of the world is shrinking because not a lot of people are seeing movies anymore. But there's more movies than just the Scorsese movie and the Tarantino movie this year. Well, and that's the thing is I think that we're at the precipice where we're changing how we release movies. I mean, uh, My Name is Dolomite, uh, that was released in order to be nominated. Um in a limited review it met the qualifications yet they didn't nominate it which i think is a crying shame i mean i don't know i think there were certain performances that should have been nominated i don't know if the whole movie should have been nominated but things like aquafina aquafina and uh the farewell the farewell was a beautiful movie um that really moved in in didn't get things. The perform oh, Jody Jody Turner Smith's performance in Queen and Slim was iconic. We're talking about a complete transformation on screen, and I don't mean like just physical. I mean like her her cues and her her subtleties and um just like it was just it was flawless, and yet not a nomination. So yeah. I, I mean, I mean, the Academy's always behind a couple of years. Like in even this year, not even two years from now, are we really going to be talking about Shape of Water or Get Out? Right. Yeah. Right. right. True. I mean, Get Out, the Shape of Water. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, what do you guys think, Chris? What do you think? Uh, it's it's tough for me because. I, I would feel the same way, and I have felt the same way in, in previous years. I think here's here's the issue that we have. All the issues I agree with. Uh, you're talking about a group of just over, just about 8,000 people. So it's about 7,900 Academy Award voters. Uh, 500 of them are directors, 500 of them are producers, and the rest are kind of actors and things like that. Um, 94% Caucasian, 77% male. I mean, these are these are the actual statistics. So... Yeah, I think when you're when you've got that group voting, you're always going to tend to go towards um, either what's right in front of you or more, I guess you could say, male populist type films. The problem that I have, and and this I could I could see it happening with movies like Midsummer and The Farewell and Uncut Gems, is that the problem is it's the Hollywood studio game of of being able to campaign yeah. for Oscars and. When you've got studios like A24, which do 
brilliant work. I mean, they did mm. the lighthouse, which you could argue should have been in in the um, Oscar contention. Midsummer, it's, it's multiple categories for lighthouse, which is ridiculous. Multiple categories. I mean, A twenty four has been A twenty four is the new Miramax without. Harvey Weinstein, basically. Like we, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, when 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 Bobby and I go to like the Rome Cineplex, it's mm-hmm. all A twenty four pictures, like that are you know indie Oscar contention, and I love them. I love them exactly. all. Exactly. I never I mean, have a bad time at during them. You know what I mean? They're I, interesting, at least. You know, Lady Bird, uh, Disaster exactly. Artist, Midsummer, Hereditary. I mean, they've done it all. The problem with A twenty four is they do not have the Hollywood clout. And I've read a couple articles on this where, um, and and because of that their their films kind of suffer and and yeah. the problem is they're churning out so much good stuff it's almost like they're canceling each other out i mean you could you could create a best picture category with just from a24 films uh and i'd be fine with it but um so that's the problem is that you need studios you need that can afford the budget to then therefore campaign for oscars and um oh, wow. i i have a or i was gonna say we need campaign reform where they're not allowed to campaign like yeah, campaign reform, just like the president. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. So that's that's a that's an issue, and I I, I agree. Now I I will say this is the first year where I you know when it came to having no women in the um, directors category, I, I said to myself, well, okay, with the exception of maybe Scorsese, and I really do firmly believe that. I, I couldn't find anywhere to put Greta Gerwig in that category. And she was the only, by the way, she was the only female director I thought that had a movie worth kind of being nominated for best director in there. I, I mean, wasn't I love. Let's fair... go ahead. Say, yeah. I was just going to say, wasn't the farewell directed by a female? She, it, she, it was. I, I just, I couldn't, even though I love the farewell with the, with the five other directors there, except for Scorsese, I, you know, I'll put it this way. If I could put seven people in there, Greta Gerwig and um, Lulu Wang would have been in there for me. How about as, as how about finished. Olivia Wilde for uh, Booksmart? See, there you go again. If if we made it ten, she would have made it. But it's like it, I I have such a difficulty that ever since the Oscars opened the Best Picture category up to ten, maximum of ten nominees. Although they've never gotten to ten, they always seem to stop at nine. Um, they still keep with all the other categories at five people each, and it's like oh, because then it's like how do you how do you do that? And I, I think the only person I think that you could probably swap out Lulu Wang, Greta Gerwig, um, Olivia Wilde would probably be a little bit of a stretch for me, um, would be Martin Scorsese. I, every other director there, I'm like, I can't argue against them being in that category. Oh, maybe Todd Phillips, actually. Let me take that back. Maybe Todd Phillips. Yeah. But, yeah. Bobby, what do you, what, Bobby, what do you think? I, may, I have a bad memory, but the last female best director to get an Oscar – that I recall, it's only been one. Was Catherine Bigelow? Yep. Yep. For the And you know, very well deserved for that one. Hell yeah! But I was I was reading something today on possibly why Adam Sandler didn't get a nomination, and one of the um, one of the voters for the Oscars said that. It was possible because in an interview on Howard Stern, Adam Sandler was talking about how if he doesn't get an Oscar nomination, he's just going to make the shittiest movie ever for his next one. So even though he, he said it as a joke, it hit some nerves of some of the voters and they didn't uh, include him in the, in the nominations. 
So maybe some of these other female directors or anybody for that matter, if they say or do something that offends some of those judges, then maybe that's all it takes. Or maybe they are, how you say, um, just predominantly looking at white directors, white a- uh, actors. Who knows? And, and maybe one of the uh, Oscar voters was Shooter McGavin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I shit like you for breakfast. Shooter, we're gonna be friends, right? I'll go to Sizzler, get some grub. Yeah, we're friends. We're friends. Uh, <laughs> it all comes together now. Yeah. But I, I think, I think, you know, I think twenty years from now, ten years from now, as I hate to say this, as a certain generation of type of voter falls off, so to speak, um, I do think you're gonna see that pool open up. And also I think now that more women and, and people of color are getting these high profile jobs, whether it be acting, writing, directing, producing, whatnot, you are going to see that, that diversification, if you will, of these categories, at least, at least one hopes, I should say. You know what I'm going to say? Hot take. Oscars are bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think those awards mean anything because we're all talking about them. And a lot of them, a lot of them, uh, they shouldn't even be up there. So I say screw the Oscars. Uh, and I pay attention to like um, Rotten Tomatoes because most of those scores are pretty accurate for how they come out. That's Star true. Wars, 50-50, okay. You got uh, Get Out, which has, what, 99 or 100 on there. So those those are what I look at. And, of course, you know, like the Gotti movie that got zero. Um, they're, they're usually right on. So I say screw the Oscars. Uh, let's have some some awards for for Rotten Tomatoes. Right here, here, well, and, here, and, here, and you know, one of I would be remiss if I didn't mention um, that one of the movies that made me feel the most, you know, because I really pay attention to like me, like crying or screaming or shouting in the theater. The movie that made me feel the most this year was not nominated for I, Endgame. Endgame. Mm. Mm. Why is that not Best Picture? I think it got one nomination, actually. One. I think so, too. It did, for visual. Visual effect. Congratulations. Yeah. Now, if, if, you, I, if I'm a betting man, I think, it, I think they might be doing something special, like giving them a special achievement Oscar, um, like they did for Roger Rabbit back in the day, for just the achievement of the Marvel Universe. But, uh, yeah, I, I was shocked. One nomination. Come on now. That is unreal. If, if Return of the King can get nominated as far as a trilogy and stuff, I mean, that movie... Not only did it make a billion dollars, the Rotten Tomato score on that is out of control. Critics, user reviews, everything, just everything coming together. The amount of ways they could have screwed that movie up mm-hmm. <laughs> and we could be sitting here being pissed at it. And all of us, all of us, I don't think I've met one person that was like, meh, it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, what if you put in the time to watch all those movies and you got to the end and you were just like, Mm. I haven't heard that review. Yeah, Yeah, fell asleep during that one. Like everyone was bawling. I was just having a a conversation. Was that I I forget who I was talking to? Like that movie starts. I'm crying instantly, and then it was us last week. That's right. Yeah, Golden Globes. Right, Golden Globes. And 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 so I I don't know. I I just I'm just kind of. I get chills when they show the replays of people's reactions from the theater. Yeah, every time he snaps or. Or anything happens. I, uh, and it, it just grabs the hammer. And I know I've talked about this before, but 
it brings me back to two years from now. Are we going to be talking about Endgame? Or, or are we Ford, talking versus, about... Ford versus Ferrari. Ford versus Ferrari or Shape of Water. Or you really talking... don't like Shape of Water, do you? I did like it. I like Guillermo del Toro. I like him, but that movie, I mean, whatever. Yeah. One and done. Yeah. Watch it one and done. Yeah, I'm all set. Like, I mean, Bobby and I went and saw 1917 this mm-hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. Up for Best Picture. Deservedly um, so. Deservedly so. It yeah. is achievement in filmmaking. Um, am I going to watch it again? Yeah. Oh, I would. Yeah? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Pop it on. A couple years from now. Pop it on in the background while you're making breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> like hearted <laughs> movie. Cool. It's like Mary Poppins or something. Cool. Yeah. You guys don't do that? You don't pop up war movies while you're making breakfast? I mean, I watch Apocalypse Now every morning. I mean, come on. That's... Oh, I love it. I love, I love the smell it. of napalm in the morning. <laughs> nice one. Well, side, side note, speaking of uh, 1917, there was a guy in there. Um, his name was Lawrence Fox. He's an actor. And uh, he's getting blasted by something he said um, for... Have you guys seen it? 1917. I have yeah. not yet. Oh, okay. Well, there's a there's a guy from India in there. Remember him, Ben? He was yeah, in back yeah, of the truck. yeah. Yeah. So he was in there, and an actor. Uh, he watched the movie, and he said, uh, "There's something institutionally racist about forcing diversity on people in that way." Well, so they. But they it's were, like a real thing that there's Indian yeah. soldiers. And, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I looked it up. And they said every sixth British soldier serving in World War One was from the Indian subcontinent. Yeah. And they made up more than 20% of the volunteer army. Right. <laughs> thought I'd just drop a little knowledge on you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was. It made sense. It didn't take me out of the movie. I, yeah, yeah, it made sense to me. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Good stuff. Good hey, stuff. What about Oscar? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I'm sure, I mean, the Oscars are what, a couple of weeks away. I think that's two weeks two three weeks from now. So I'm sure uh, in the next couple of podcasts, we'll definitely be talking about the results because I have a feeling uh, they're not going to be as diverse as we had hoped. Um, and the one, by the way, the one person of color that was nominated for an Oscar is someone that uh, I do not get along with. So <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up. <laughs> oh, of course. God, she's insufferable. Yeah, my girl, she got nominated. <sighs> and of course, of course, me being the troll that I am, of course, she she wrote this really like emo. She's a double nominee, by the way. She got nominated yep. for best song too. Yep. And uh, she wrote this whole wrote this whole Instagram post about how grateful she is. I just I responded with an eye roll. I was just like, <laughs> "You're such a troll." Uh, <laughs> I just so rude. Can't so stand rude. it. Can't stand that woman. Anyway, oh let's move on. Let's move on. Plenty to talk about tonight. All right. So for my first story, man, so we talked about the infuriating uh, Oscar nominations. I've got another thing that might infuriate a couple of you. And it was announced last week that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced their 2020 class. Their inductees. Oh, I haven't heard this yet. I can't wait. All right. So, Ben, I, be you and being the music uh, aficionado that you are, I knew would appreciate and hate everything I'm about to tell you. So, oh, do you want me to guess who the nominees are? <laughs> well, here, here I already uh, know so one of them. I'll I'll give you. Okay, here we go. Actually, this is good, Ben. I'm gonna give All you. Right. I'm gonna give you a genre of music, and you tell me who you think got in. Uh, Hip hop and rap. Um, 
I'm going to go. By the way, the only qualification is that it's 25 years since their first right. major album right. release. That's the only qualification. So, Well, I know there's a bunch from the 80s that are already in. Um, mm-hmm. So... Because I've watched the live performances over. Like, the Beastie Boys are definitely in. Uh, Run DMC is already yep. in. Um, yep. I'm going to go with... Vanilla Ice? <laughs> no, it's got to be bigger. I'm going to go with... Because uh... we're into the 90s now. We're into oh, the we're 90s. into the 90s? Okay. I'm going to... Oh. 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 It's a major one. Biggie Smalls? Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls got in. I guess uh, it's along... a Along with uh, maybe the most well-known industrial rock music group of all time. Nine Inch Nails? There it is. So this class, uh, Nine Inch Nails, Biggie Smalls, T-Rex. Uh, oh, okay. Depeche Mode. Nice. Whitney Houston, uh, which I was surprised that she was not in already. Um, and uh, the Doobie Brothers. That is your class. Um, all right, that's a pretty rocking class. I can get by. That's a good class. That's a good yeah. class. Now here's hopefully, who. Was, hopefully, some good performances. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's who did not get in, and Ben, I wanted your thoughts as well as everybody else. Um, so a couple of the notable snubs: uh, Motorhead, once again, did not pass the um, the bar. Um, now here's the interesting thing: um, Pat Benatar did not get in, and uh, despite being number two in the fan vote, which apparently means nothing. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like, yeah, vote for you. For, you can have a vote. And like, apparently the fan vote counts as one vote. Um, <laughs> this entire, awesome. This, like 10,000 person academy, whatever it is. Um, so Pat Benatar did not get in. Uh, along with Soundgarden did not get in. Yeah, they're uh, okay. They're okay. I've heard of them. Yeah. Right. I might have just been screaming them in my basement right like five <laughs> seconds before this podcast. It's fine. Um, also, there seems to be a big bias against uh, heavy metal because Judas Priest and Iron Maiden have not gotten in. Yeah, they're fine. Um, they're, they're fine okay. bands. <laughs> it's not like they have a giant following. And little little impacts. Yeah, they, yeah, they just haven't a little had impact much on music. You know, that's um, fine. You know, not, not influential at all. And of no. course, the biggest injustice, the band that... Uh, won the fan vote, by the way. They were number one with over a million votes, uh, the Dave Matthews Band, your favorite band, Ben. So, <laughs> well, you know, I agree with them on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I just wanted all your thoughts. Ben, I'll start with you on, on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, notable snubs. I mean, your reaction, everything. I don't – okay, here's the deal. All right. A um, couple years ago, I'm going to say about 10 years ago, there was this hip hop hall of fame that came out and it was just like a VH one kind of award show that they would do every year. And, and Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg were nominated in there and uh, are inducted in there. And there was this awesome thing and they would do ice cube and they did all these big things. They did KRS one and all these cool acts because how do you guys feel about hip hop and rap artists going into the rock and roll hall of fame? It's weird. I mean, it where does, else are they going to go? So the there should be a different Hall of Fame. Why? Because it's it's different than rock music. It's not but, even close. Yeah, but without <laughs> rock music, we wouldn't have hip hop. No, 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 no. No, I what disagree. What do you mean? You really? I, I disagree. If you had the blues, and rock and roll didn't exist, we would still have rap. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> no, I'm thinking about this. Imagine like Marty McFly 
Never played the fish under the sea dance. <laughs> really? You and we go didn't have rock and roll music. You, you, you can't <laughs> and we just fast music. forward. We didn't fast and we just fast forward to 1985 and Run DMC comes out. I think that would still happen. <laughs> yeah, but rap but this is the thing is rap wouldn't be as big without having Run DMC do their song without the um without the Aerosmith uh mashup i mean like they wouldn't have they wouldn't have had the crossover and i don't think you would have gotten it rock and roll be- doesn't exist you don't need a crossover <laughs> but i don't think i don't uh, i i don't know i don't i don't think you're i have to think about this okay i think it's i think it's a poorly named hall of fame i think if they wanted to truly make it as inclusive as they apparently they're trying they're doing i think they, they should have come up with a different name other than rock and roll i think you guys right. are just taking it too yeah. literally well, no, I because I, I'm I'm a big kind of genre person. I'm a big music person. So even when they say Whitney Houston is nominated, I'm like cool. But how many like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden? I'm like fuck. They got going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They should have been there years ago. But mm-hmm. uh, R&B, soul, rap, hip hop. Am I am I am I am I thinking too much? I think you're. I think you're. I think you're thinking too much. Because. My record collection right now, I'm looking right at it. I wouldn't if I were to go genre based, I wouldn't clump all the my my the album The Chronic with I don't know, Creedence Clearwater Revival. It's like having different uh sporting hall of fames. I mean, sure some sports were derived from other sports, but you have an individual hall of fame for each and every sport. It's a good point. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, baseball definitely came from cricket. But there's definitely a cricket hall of fame where the hell that is, <laughs> and there's definitely a baseball hall of fame. Yeah, there you go. It's a good. That's a good point. It's a good point. I I, I think it's a poorly named hall of fame. Um, I also think, again, when we're talking about the demographics of who's voting on these things. I have the optics of having probably what is a majority white um, academy, if you will, voting on uh, a genre dominated by black culture. I just don't. <laughs> It's like they're they're. I think you're gonna see a lot of the more popular rap artists of all times, rather than the the, the true pioneers, which hip hop revolution uh, evolution has shown us really really well. So of course, great mm, show. new season, new yeah, season new season just came, came out. out. I know, I can't there. wait. Oh, um, so yeah, it's 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 weird. I I have issues. I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in in, in Cleveland. It's not, um, it's not like the Baseball Hall of Fame where it's like you know, it's just it's a weird. It, it's a mix between the Hard Rock Cafe and like a museum, and um, yeah, I, it's it's just a weird thing, and I, I just feel like I, I never, I'm never going to agree with their selections completely. It's just one of those things. Yeah, it, it just it rubs me wrong it, when I hear that. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I don't really get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. When I, you're t- you took a breath as if you were about to say something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm still thinking. Am I, I am I saying something wrong? Like I I know what I'm saying is kind of I guess controversial, but it's just my it's just my opinion. It, it just makes I'll never kind of be right about it. Like I don't I don't know. Like should I, we really should that Hall of Fame be like Chris said? Should they be putting forth their opinion about hip hop and rap music? I don't think so. See, I think I have a feeling that like when it started, yeah, it was predominantly rock. And I think they realized that 
as music expands, they all kind of cross over into each other. And so they're really like a music hall of fame um, or a popular music hall of fame. But what are you going to do? Call it the popular music hall of fame? Because that just sounds stupid. Music hall of fame. You can't call it music hall of fame because then you would have to include classical and. Why not? Jazz. Yeah. Why not? But I think they do include jazz. Do they? Sometimes. I mean, sometimes, I think. Sometimes, but man, if it was the Jazz Hall of Fame, my God, they're missing a bunch. <laughs> when you, when but, you say you would have to include things like, like jazz and classical, that almost goes back to when you say the Oscars and uh, the smaller um, companies can't campaign. I mean, you're true. excluding one just because maybe they're smaller or not as popular. Yes. But I think, uh, yeah. Louis, Louis Armstrong, by the way, was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 1990. So they do induct uh, jazz artists, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but I'm looking right here. Bill Evans isn't in the jazz, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, it's a major musician. He was in like, <laughs> he was he's on Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. It's out of control. I, I <laughs> like, like he, um, and it jumped off twenty-five year rule. He's been dead since nineteen seventy-nine. <laughs> Next year so, is his year. I was gonna say <laughs> feeling him. You're feeling him. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I think. I think they're just trying to be inclusive. I think you're thinking too much about the title. I don't think it would be profitable profitable to separate them out. I don't think you could. You. I don't think people would travel necessarily to see each individual we'll put, it, put it right next door it'd be like epcot you know what i mean oh. like there's different worlds in epcot just put you know the rock and roll hall of fame's over here rap hall of fame's over here yeah it's mm. not that easy I think it would mean more i think it would mean more like imagine if all right the rap hall of fame like let's say it's built like a giant church and reverend run is the minister of the rap hall of fame and he's and they just said you know reverend run you are the first, you do the first nominees. It's totally up to you. And he just said, boom. <laughs> he just laid down the law. Like, that would mean so much. And we started right there. Well, I think that would mean more. I don't know. You're talking now about church getting involved, and we have to remember the separation <laughs> of church and state. Oh, man. Church and rap. <laughs> separation, of, <laughs> separation of hip and hop. <laughs> <laughs> We allow is the one called Jesus who sings in the background. <laughs> you don't fuck with the Jesus. Oh my god, I love it. Well, needless to say, this, I mean, this is just a never-ending debate. I, I think the solution actually is for an organization uh, to actually take over the entire thing and just call it the whether it's the Grammys and just call it the Grammys Music Hall of Fame, and then therefore you can actually have separate wings uh, for each genre. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense, but you know, uh, what do I know? So anyway, anyway, I could, I could talk about this thing for three hours, but we have, we have to move on. We have, right. To. I know uh, <laughs> what, what we? just experts of entertainment. Yeah. That's all we, you know, we're just, we're just the fans that vote on these things. And apparently it means nothing. Yeah, so, means- I mean, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> ben, what do you got for your number two this week? Number two this week. Um, kind of a big topic. Uh, the state of baseball. We've been off the podcast for about two, three weeks. 
a lot of things going on with baseball right now. Mm. Right now, let me just talk about, I know that this podcast and people listening aren't primarily sports fans, but the state of things in America, at least, NFL is definitely the most popular sport by far. Uh, most viewership, most fantasy sports, most betting, yada, 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 by far. And a couple years ago, NBA took over MLB. And Major League Baseball has been rocked by a series of controversies in the past couple weeks. And so here's America's pastime, America's sport, being rocked by controversies in a world where they don't, they can't afford more controversies. Um, so if you aren't hip to this thing, the Astros of 2017, um, major cheating scandal were these rules written in the rule book that you couldn't bang a garbage can and signal your players that the next pitch was coming. No, you, I mean, it was never written in the rule book, but did you know that it was wrong? Of course it was. So here's this sport that's already been rocked by steroids, controversies and multiple betting and uh, you name it. Baseball's been marred by these controversies. Taking another hit, and here's um, just recently the article I pulled up. Um, the city council of L.A. has demanded that Major League Baseball award the L.A. Dodgers two World Series titles <laughs> because <laughs> they believe that they were unfairly uh, stripped of their titles because they should have won. And if you watch those games, here's Clayton Kurt. Here's the Dodgers with one of the meanest, nastiest lineups owning stuff during those years. And all of a sudden, Clayton Kershaw gives up five runs in the first inning, a thing that he's never done in a playoff game. You're like, huh, that's really interesting. And so here we are. And here we are back to 2008 where Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and all these people, you're like, huh, these guys that we thought were heroes – what do we do with them now? Um, Chris, you're a giant baseball person. You're mm -hmm. a giant sports person and a Red Sox fan because Red Sox are part of this controversy. How do you feel about the state of baseball moving forward? It's awkward. I feel awkward about it. I mean, because obviously being a Red Sox fan and we potentially benefited uh, with a World Series title from one of these scandals, um, it's, it's awkward. But, you know... <sighs> We, we talk about how, you know, baseball can't afford to take these types of hits with their fans anymore. Um, whether it was the strike in 94, whether it was the steroid thing, whether it's this. I mean, it's it, I feel like the devoted baseball fan keeps being let down in a way um, and disappointed. And I, I, I find that sad. And I think that's that's why football and is flourishing, because. In a way, you could say football is constantly disappointing us. So therefore, it's like what's the, you know, the the head injuries and everything else that's going on. So, um, I, yeah, it's 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 troubling. Now, part of me, I feel like, and I discussed this with a couple other my friends. Like, if your team, you should be like, when it comes to signs in baseball, and I I played baseball up until high school. Um, I feel like if your if your team is able to have their signs stolen. That's on you as a team. Like if you're if your signs are that well stealable, I guess like those things should be kept like the nuclear codes. You should be changing them almost with every single game, so this way you can't you know 
guys on second can't tip pitches and blah, blah, blah. Now, I will say that the Astros seem to have taken this thing to a whole nother level when it comes to like actually putting a camera in the opposing team's dugout. Um, that's a whole nother level of, you know, oh my godness, if you will, uh, Bill Belichickness, if you will. Uh, so, um, yeah, it, it's it's upsetting. Never um, convicted. Never convicted. Never. They haven't. They haven't handed down the official um, punishment yet, but I, I, I want to be shocked if Alex Cora is banned for life because of this. Um, I mean, if if Pete Rose is getting banned for betting on baseball, I mean, when you're when you're potentially cheating the World Series, I, I it's like twice. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. So. Um, yeah, yeah and, it's, and not to mention Shoeless Joe, too. Yeah, I mean... And I, I think what hurts the most... I think what hurts the most is this sport, above all sports, is a stat-heavy sport. Mm-hmm. This sport is so long in the season, and it takes so many games to get through the drudging season. But at the end of a, someone's career, you look at that career and go, oh, my God, he batted so-and-so and he you know he hit x amount of home runs and that's kind of this the legacy that someone leaves behind and a lot of legacies a lot of great players are have some question marks behind those some asterisks if you will behind mm. their legacies uh that uh and i don't know if chris if you saw the picture of the astro the big three astros players with their home stats, their home batting average, and their away batting average, it's quite shocking. I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, yeah, no, it's it's just it's unfortunate. I think what's also telling is when this all broke. I mean, you could probably say this was like the third biggest um, sports story this week behind whatever was happening in the NFL. Like it, I, when this broke, a lot of the commentary was like, "Wow, I'm surprised that this is not like." there's not more outrage, but that's a statement on the popularity of baseball right now. I think when you look at the major sports, uh, I would say baseball has the longest history of people cheating at it than, uh, than any of the other sports. Cause with basketball, you can't do much. I mean, you're putting the ball in the hoop. You can't do a whole lot. You can't put springs in your shoes and, and football. There's just a lot of dirty hits and, uh, you know, anything the Patriots do. But in baseball, you got sign stealing, you got cameras, you got noises, you got corked bats, you got pitchers who put stuff on pine tar on the ball and scuff it up. So I'm not surprised when baseball players and coaches get caught cheating. Uh, it's probably going to end up like what happened to our boy uh, Jim Beheim and have a bunch of his wins uh, vacated. And um, now he's 100 wins back. So I don't know. Are they going to take their World Series rings away? You think they they could? They could. Uh, so this is still ongoing? The, oh, yeah. The, yep. yep. The, the investigation has not been uh, the, the completed just yet. So, you know, it's, 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 it's just one of those strange things. But I, at the same time, if I'm the Dodgers, if I'm a Dodgers player, I'm like, do I, do I really want to ring that way? Like, uh, okay, like, thanks. But, like, at the same time, I mean, you know, I guess, yeah, it, it would be official. You got your ring. You got the championship. But, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It, it's tough. I mean, it's it's tough. You know, the toughest thing for me is being a parent of a kid who likes playing baseball, 
like staying up watching the Red Sox when they're on and stuff. Um, to, you know, you're teaching your kid how to play fair, always, you know, not to cheat and not to just baseball is fun and games are fun when people don't cheat. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. take it from Bobby and I. We were in a league of darts. <laughs> and everyone was cool. We'd meet other dart teams. And it was tons of fun. And this one team came in, and they skirted the rules a little bit and were sticklers for the rules and measured the line with a laser and the pointer. Aww. And I'm like, what is going Sweet. on? And then, like, well, that last game didn't count because you were shooting a little too close. So, you know what I did? I started shooting four feet back from the line. <laughs> I, I said, I said, uh, oh, is this okay then? And then, of course, I think I hit a triple 20 in a bolt. <laughs> it was amazing. Because <laughs> I will always be defiant. Um, but we lost. And if they came back and were caught cheating and they, they said, hey, do you guys want the games as a W? Oh, Ben's shaking his head no. No. Fuck yeah, I'm taking that win over those assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need their win. Oh, I do. That's yeah, why baseball's I, on the decline. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure as this this case, you know, Bruce Ward and, and the commissioner releases his uh, official punishments. I mean, I think it sets a new precedent. Now, I just think it's interesting that, you know, the mark of successful teams nowadays, and again, I hate to throw the Patriots under the bus here, but are the ones that kind of, know these rule books in and out and therefore know what's in them and what's not in them. So they create new ways of, of gaining an advantage and you know, that the rule book hasn't even thought of yet. So um, is that, is that being savvy or is that truly being a cheater? I don't know. It's, 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 it's an interesting uh, a mix there. Well, and one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite YouTube series is uh, called, weird rules i believe on sb nation and they go through you know the <laughs> a player that ran off the bench and caught a pop fly <laughs> he he ran onto the field and yelled substitution and they caught a pop fly in a baseball game and he said well it's not in the rule book so i can do it there you go so i mean this has been through sports through history like if you haven't thought about it that's why there's Rule two, subset B of section four. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's why they have these crazy, intricate rules because people will constantly break them until we come up with new ones. I mean, are steroids banned? Yes. But, you know, people started using human growth hormone until that was banned, and it just keeps going. I was watching a thing on YouTube just yesterday of uh, we watched the UFC fights over the weekend. And they were putting all the Vaseline on their faces, and someone asked why they do it. And I was watching a YouTube of top ten rules that were written after they were broken on the spot. And one of them was why they put so much Vaseline on and why the rule came to be. And the first one is they put it on their face because it uh, it reduces the chance of being cut. So you don't want to stop a fight just because it gets cut open. So... They changed that because maybe 10 years ago, George St. Pierre used to put it on his face, on his chest, on his shoulders, on his back. So people couldn't get a hold of him and wrestle him down. There was nothing in the rule books against it. Um, So they let him do with that fight. But the guy he beat, uh, what's the guy's name that jumped right out of the pool from a standing? Uh, BJ Penn. BJ Penn. He's the one who lost. And he was fighting against it that you can't put it on your body. You can only put it on your face. 
and only uh, somebody you know uh, specialized can do it. And so that was one of the rules that was uh, that was also written as it was broken. Oh. Wait a minute, the whole Vaseline thing, y'all didn't know that? Like back in the day when you fight in school, you take off the earrings, you put Vaseline on your on your fists, and then you go at it. Like y'all didn't. First of all. Around. First of all, where did you go to school? Where did you go to school? And, and, and second of all, I don't know because I was home teached. <laughs> I went to public school. That's what you did. You you always carried around Vaseline. It was good for your hair, also for your knuckles in case you had to throw down. You whipped off your earrings. You greased up your knuckles and you went to town. So that way you could land a punch, slide off of them. You wouldn't get cut. Or and it would help decrease like the bruising, but it would still land for them and they would get walloped. Wow. Well, you know, all I know is like when I got um, some guys in the box, uh, duct tape around the phone book doesn't bruise them up. <laughs> you see, you see, I went to prep school, so we just you slapped each other in the face with satin gloves. So I changed me uh, to a duel. Exactly, <laughs> sir. I used to just give up my lunch money. <laughs> I mean, I went to private school, so our dads just bought each other's companies. I don't, you know, <laughs> that's how we did our. That's how we fought in the streets. Violent. <laughs> do a hostile takeover on your hostile, lunch money. Hostile takeover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Good stuff, Brad. Good stuff. All right, Bobby. What's your number two, my man? Oh, all right. Um, I got these two because, uh, well, <laughs> I'll tell you. So I did a lot of watching of, of everything this week, uh, including these two gems that I found. The first one I'll throw, because I want Ben to hear the second one. Uh, the first one I watched, it is on, I think I watched it on Amazon. And so this movie is called Velocipastor. Yes, you heard me right. Velocipastor. <laughs> so, a velociraptor that's a pastor? Exactly. So, <laughs> the story of this is, um, after losing his parents, a priest travels to China where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur. At first horrified by this new power, a prostitute convinces him to use it to fight crime and ninjas. It got 5.6 on IMDb. It's an hour and 10 minutes long. Um, it got four out of five stars. I would highly recommend it for the funny lines and the cheesiness of it all. Uh, some of it was pretty terrible, and it was made to make fun of itself. But some of the lines they have in there are very quotable and very funny. Amazon Prime, check it out. And then the other one was for Ben here. Oh. Ben, uh, there was something that came out on Netflix, actually. And it says, uh, to celebrate director David Lynch's 74th birthday, Netflix has uploaded a new short film, uh, which he interrogate, interrogates a talking monkey. Uh, it's short. It's called, What Did Jack Do? Uh, it sees Lynch's smoking detective exchange barbs with the animal named Jack at an apartment near a train station. According to the credits, the monkey is played by Jack Cruz, who appears as himself, and it comes in at uh, 17 minutes. So I watched this piece of shit, and <laughs> uh. 
there was none of it that I found amusing or likable. Uh, it's all black and white. The sentences and the conversations that they have with each other are like you wrote a sentence today and then another sentence five days ago, but you put them back to back and it makes zero sense. I would ask, I would, he was asking the monkey, so, uh, where did, <laughs> where did you find this chicken? And the monkey says, well, I don't know. I'm kind of thirsty. And then he'll say, where is this train going? And he says, well, it's kind of cloudy today. It makes zero sense. But I found myself trudging through it just so I could tell you guys how terrible it is. But I know Ben will watch it because he loves this asshole. Dude, it sounds like a masterpiece. <laughs> I don't know. So it's, it's a monkey that where they just like took his mouth out and dubbed somebody's mouth in there so you can see his teeth and everything <laughs> and it's just this cute little uh little monkey like the one from friends but this weird looking mouth and teeth talking to him about a chicken that he loved and he possibly murdered <laughs> amazing amazing so uh, where's the best where's the best picture nomination for that <laughs> exactly mm. it's so, probably under the shorts so <laughs> Not under their short. Right, short. That's short film, right? (laughs) Well, I was going to say it's not short enough, but that's what she said. (laughs) Oh, we should never say that. My follow-up question is, a lot like Nicolas Cage, does this director, David Lynch, does he still get the credit for making good movies or just odd, terrible movies? No, he makes amazing movies. Like what? All right, let's go through the your comment is so baseless. Let's hear. I want to hear your movie. His last movie he directed, mm-hmm. or the last show he directed, was Twin Peaks: The Return. Yep. One of the best shows of the last ten years, as per The Ringer and The Watch. So there's that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. There's that. No Oscar. It's a TV show, guy. And. <laughs> <laughs> Then, uh, you want me to go through his, my favorite films of David Lynch? What's your top two? Wow. Oh, man. Lost, uh, Lost Highway? I mean... Top two? I, I can't. I have to pick two? Yeah. I, I don't know. Someone else go. I can't do two. <laughs> I, have, I, mean... I have so many that are in... Like... Well, I would say Blue Velvet, right? Isn't that... That's got to be one. Of course. Um... Of course, but... I... I don't know. I mean, Elephant Man's pretty good. Eraser Dune, Head's pretty good. Dune's um, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Wild at Heart, Mulholland Drive. Straight, straight Story is actually a really good movie. Um, Lost Highway. Lost oh, Straight Story is great, too. Straight Story is like great. great. I, I show that in my mental health classes. That's a, It's a story about PTSD. I, I don't know. I don't. He's a prolific. He's one of the last. It's like him and Scorsese are one of the last kind of people that are still making good work of that generation. I, mm. I, I don't know what to tell Scorsese you. Scorsese like, could be taken off the table. I think. I guess, but what's the last Francis Ford Coppola good movie? Well, I don't disagree with Green you. Maker? <laughs> that was 1998 with Matt Damon. He's still alive. Matt Damon. Yeah, he's still. I'm Matt Damon. So, um. I don't know. Like, Chris, what's your top two David Lynch? 
asking me like, <laughs> oh man, top. T- well, I'll put it this way: if 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 you're asking me, okay, Chris, you have to put together uh, a, an event where you're only showing two David Lynch movies to an okay. audience who, who have never seen David Lynch before. Um, I would probably pick Blue Velvet and Eraserhead because those are the two movies that mm. you walk out of saying, "What was that? <laughs> like, what what did I just see?" And and it it sparks so many conversations. Uh, on those ends. So yeah, I would probably say Blue Velvet and Eraserhead for me. That, that, those are pretty good picks because those are the spectrum of what he has to offer. I, yeah. And so, but you, Bobby, I think you need to think. I, I I get what you're saying, but I think you need to think of. So David Lynch, when he's not making movies, he makes crazy art. Yeah. He makes crazy music. He's just an artist. He it, so he's big into TZM Transcendental Meditation, and so he'll like meditate like when he's not working and he just he comes out of these meditations and goes i'm going to make this painting with a half a crow sticking out of it and oil bleeding everywhere so he's kind of like this like crazy artist um so it's hard to gauge like what is madness and what is art imagine james franco but better (laughs) well i remember watching eraserhead and a weird crying alien baby cries for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, both of you guys said that that's your one of your top two. But when I watched it, I was like, what the hell is this? So you guys see that as like artistic uh, genius. I see it as even Chris, you just said, you walk out like, what the hell is that? So does that are make you, him you... an artist or does that just a weird movie that only a few people will maybe understand? See, I think I think a movie like Eraserhead, which is why it was my pick, is that it, it crosses over into that line of, of obscurity and absurdity, if that makes sense. Absurdity. While while Blue Velvet's more of a traditional narrative. So yeah, with Eraserhead, it's it's for me, if the worst thing, and Ben Ben, I think you and I have talked about this before, where like the worst thing, the the most biggest insult I can give a movie is I walk out of the theater feeling or thinking nothing about it. Uh, mm-hmm. War of the Worlds, Steven Spielberg's remake of War of the Worlds, is the last time I felt that way. Walking out of a theater where I'm like, eh, the whole, like I, I felt like I, nothing happened for the last two hours. Right. With a razor head, you could, wa- you could walk out of a theater, go to a bar next door, go to a restaurant, and you could talk about that movie for three hours straight, about what you thought that movie was about. And that, I feel, is the mark of, an, of a of a piece of art, uh, a film mm. like a filmmaker like David Lynch, where you could you, you could argue, oh, it's about it's about you know a statement on family, it's a statement on social class, it's a statement of this and that, and and and, and there might not be a wrong answer in that. So, yeah. Then you will love this talking monkey movie. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> it's called What Did Jack Do? Yeah. All right. My uh, my roommate in college, Rob. Uh, had many hot takes, <laughs> to say the least. But he had a great take about art and his art. He, and he said, uh, "He said I never want to create something that uh, someone just tells me it's good. I'd rather have someone say, it's fucking great. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen, or I straight up hate it. <laughs> I'd rather have a visceral reaction either way. I don't want to have, ah, it was on the screen. Some stuff happened, I guess, but I don't really remember it. Like, no artist wants that. Yeah. They want you to walk away going, 
wow, that was amazing, or what that made me feel like bad about myself and my life. <laughs> so uh, that's what you're fighting for. Like it's it's like the uh, like I was just saying about the Oscars. I gauge movies about my emotional reaction in the moment. Like once upon a time in Hollywood. I was laughing. I was suspenseful. I was scared for the main characters. I had a standing ovation when a certain flamethrower came out. And uh, you know what I mean? Like, I don't remember. I can't recall last time where there's like a really good film where I had those emotional reactions pinging off at the same time. And uh, I don't know. Same with Lynch. It makes me feel weird. It makes me feel different. Like what I'm like while I'm watching a movie like Blue Velvet or Wild at Heart, I'm thinking in my head. I'm like I'm up in my head or or Twin Peaks. I'm sitting there going like what does this mean? What I'm trying to like take it apart and then like things will shock me. Like Twin Peaks the Return if you if you haven't seen that um it's a mini series. Um yeah, you probably should watch the first two seasons of Twin Peaks but <laughs> and then skip to that. That would probably help but there's things that happen in that show that are that make you feel you you can't not feel it something when you watch it so i still have dreams about certain things from twin peaks like the red room and the yeah. midget like it, it it just invades your consciousness uh lynette did you watch the return uh no not yet oh I mean, my god it's like i i have oh to go back god. and rewatch the first one i watched it when i i watched twin peaks when i was too young my mom yeah, didn't too. know what she was oh yeah me watch. too but like go back it, it was on netflix for years um but go back rewatch the first first two seasons that's fine and then skip to um, Twin Peaks to Return, and you will freak out. You will freak out how good it is, and how good his directing is, and he is, and that's probably the last thing he will direct in long form. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's just great. Did I say he he starred in this also? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. He also starred in a video that I'm going to show you right after we get off of air called Crazy <laughs> Clown Time. And it's part from his album, and he's like, and we ran around, and he took his shirt right off. <laughs> it's crazy clown time. It's awesome. <laughs> Actually, you almost sounded exactly like, like the monkey does in this show. <laughs> it's his voice. Yeah. All right, all right. Also, if you haven't seen David Lynch uh, acting on uh, Louis C.K.'s show, Louis, it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. So, um Put it there. So awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Lynette, what's your number two this week? All right. My number two is actually, it's funny. I kind of zoned out when you guys started talking about sports ball. Um, But my number two is actually about sports ball. Um, I was reading the article. I'm super stoked about um, the coach of, or the assistant coach for the 49ers who's going to the Super Bowl with them, who's the first openly gay uh coach in the nfl um assistant coach katie sour sawyers sawyers she's the first female and first openly gay coach to lead to the big game she's apparently only the second female coach in nfl history so um even though i'll probably be rooting for the chiefs in the super bowl um i am gonna root for her because i think that's pretty awesome um it makes me excited that uh you know, she's able to to do this, and it's it's especially as having two friends uh, that met as female football players. It 
kind of holds and they got married and it's a wonderful love story um it just kind of holds a place in my heart that i'm super excited about um and since i know that football is entertainment uh yeah that's my story that's i'm sticking to it so what do you guys think you think that's awesome you think it's cool do you think women should not be coaching in the footballs of the men's what do you got what do you got for me well there's also an assistant coach that uh, coaches with the San Antonio Spurs NBA team, and she's been there for quite a few years. Uh, and they made a big deal about it when she came out there. Now she's one of the best coaches. She may get a head coaching job in the next couple of years. Nice. And then there was also their first uh, female referee came out a couple of years ago. And, you know, there was some controversy with some players when that happened, but she's just like one of the guys now. And And when you can make it, to a Super Bowl or any championship game with any team in any form, you got to have some skill behind you. Right. So I th- I think um, it'll become quite common. Well, maybe not quite common, but I don't think it'll be as surprising to see females uh, becoming head coaches in, in male sports. Because when Greg Popovich for the Spurs, he's got a little temper. And sometimes when he gets kicked out, she's taken over as head coach for the night. And I think uh, a couple of times he got ejected on purpose just to give her some shine. And so, yeah, definitely head coaches for, for any sport. doesn't matter awesome. who you are. Um, as long as you can play the game. Well, as long as you know the sport. True. There are some guys that have problem with those female reporters uh, down on the court or down on the field of whoever because they say, you know, these girls didn't play the game uh, and they have problems with them. And then other people say, well, they know the game. And then other people just say they shouldn't be down there in a male sport. So there's always be two ends to that spectrum. But absolutely, if you know the sport, it doesn't really matter if you, if you played it. If you know it, coach it. If you know Props. the spectrum, you know it's in a circle. There is no end. Whoa. <laughs> Boom. Well, I, th- I don't know. <laughs> is that math? No. <laughs> <laughs> and actually... Actually, Lynette, to add to that, uh, the San Francisco Giants just announced I think one of their batting hitting assistants is going to be a female, and I think she might be in the dugout. Like she might, it's one of those coaching positions that would be in the dugout, which would be also a first, uh, you know, for baseball next season. So nice, um, good for them. But yeah, I, I'm in a total agreement. I think, you know, we look at some of these. I could you know these the greatest female coaches of X sport of all time. You know, the Pat Summits of the world. Could Pat Summit have coached? a successful men's college basketball team. Absolutely. Um, you know, just, I mean, just, and I think any idiot out there, um, who doesn't think that, um, that says, you know, women have no place in men's sports. Um, you have male softball, collegiate softball coaches, you have male WNBA coaches. So clearly there, when it comes to these sports, the gender lines, um, you know, don't mix. You've got male, female gymnastic coaches, which has also been the root of many a problem. Yeah. So, yeah, so I just, yeah, sweet. Great story. Great storyline. Thanks. Experience. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. All right. For my last um, story this week, uh, this is actually breaking news. Guys, I don't know if you heard this. There is some drama going on uh, in the band Aerosmith. Have you heard about this at all? No. No. So apparently this coming weekend, Aerosmith is going to be playing at the Grammys. And uh, they they have had a, um, 
a Las Vegas residency. They've been doing some some performances here and there for the past uh, year or so. However, their drummer, uh, who's been their drummer since the beginning, Joey Kramer, yep. uh, apparently he got hurt um, either last year or the year before, and he was out. And while he was out, the band brought in a replacement drummer. And apparently um, Joey has been trying to rush back and get back to to playing with the band and his bandmates are not convinced that he's up to par yet and actually had to have him. They actually asked him to audition to come back into the band, which caused a huge rift uh, within this band. Um, And it got so bad that they literally had to ban him from uh, entering the Grammys for rehearsal. He actually, there's a video on TMZ of him trying to get into the Grammys to rehearse for the band and security telling him, no, we, you, we've been told not to let you in. What? Uh, yeah. It has gone to the court system where he has actually tried to sue Aerosmith to allow him to perform with the band. And however, the judge uh, announced today that he is siding uh, with Aerosmith on this and said basically that um, I, I have not, you know, there's, there's not sufficient evidence to bring this suit uh, to trial. So I'm, you know, just basically dismissing it. So this, this looks like it could be the end for Joey Kramer being in Aerosmith, um, which is, again, we, we talk about this band that's had some really dramatic moments in the past five to 10 years of them you know, almost breaking up and then breaking up and then just left issues left and right. Um, so just wanted you guys, your thoughts on this guys. That's pretty wild. I mean, when you when a band gets that long in its career and makes that much money, we're talking about money. We're not talking about hanging out in my friend's garage and they got a new grum- drummer. We're talking about residuals from um, mm. videos, music, roller coasters at you know <laughs> MGM <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, and residencies in Vegas and publishing rights, yada, yada, yada. I mean, there's a lot on the line for him. Um, yeah, really interesting stuff. And so when a band like this starts to kind of, I mean, they've had, you know, m- multiple members of the band like die on stage and stuff like that. So, <laughs> I mean, Aerosmith has been, you know, rife with controversy. So I, I don't know. I, I-, I don't think. You know, being uh, in part of, you know, the many multiple bands, you know, it's it's kind of like a kind of crazy thing to get along with people. It's like having coworkers. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. There's certain coworkers that you can work with for a long time and you go on, uh, you know, you like this guy, you don't like this guy or, you know, their work ethic or, you know, you get along with them. That's a, it's a different kind of thing. Um and so, you know, bands are kind of a fragile relationship. So it's a miracle that they've gone this long. So it's almost like a marriage, too, because either you're going to evolve with the other band members or you're not. And then that's going to cause discord as well, because um, you kind of have to be a little bit enlightened to know that there's a change um, or not that there's not a change. However, Kind of douchey to make him audition again. Yeah, I think he's claiming that he's saying it was an audition. They're saying, well, we just wanted to make sure you could still play up to par with how we want it to sound. And the nature, yeah, the nature of the the injury is unknown. They're not saying what 
if it was his back, if it was his hands, I mean, whatnot. But um, yeah, so it's a, it's definitely a, a kind of like they're saying one thing, he's saying another about um, ha- that whole au- having to audition again type of thing. Mm. But still, it's like, come on now. Yeah, yeah. not sure the legality of uh, him not being able to be part of the band or if he's entitled to, but I saw a video not too long ago of Axl Rose in a live performance, and I don't think one word he said while singing was English, and he sounded terrible, and everybody said that his tour was terrible. So if somebody isn't doing well, um, I don't see any problem with replacing. I mean, you got all these, like, Creedence Clearwater Revisited. You got you got people that aren't part of the original band, but they sound as good or better than before. And, you know, it's almost like... Um, renewing your license you got to prove that you can still drive you got to prove that you can still hit the notes and sing and, and and play so i got no problem if he has to have tryouts or whatever it is um well, he's not pulling you, his weight would you replace steven tyler then if like he you know got lumps on his vocal cords and had to like take a break and then sure. came I'll, back I'll and jump was in like... there. i don't care I mean, it's like... But is um, it still Aerosmith when the lead singer goes out? I mean, that's... I, I mean, it, it, it's kind of go back to the Van Halen question. Was Van Halen really Van Halen without David Lee Roth? No. <laughs> because David could still sing. ACDC, they uh, replaced their front singer. And... Yeah, because he died from drinking stuff. <laughs> yeah. Replace him nonetheless. <laughs> His name was Bon Scott. He was the bus driver, and he was a crazy person. <laughs> and they just got this Australian. Who's, hey, what yep. are you guys, my And they become even better. Oh my gosh! Oh man! Well, Hot take. There's what twenty-two temptations total. Right. If if you go through the year, it's like Menudo. Menudo. <laughs> well, let, let me just put this out there. That's why there's only one greatest band of all time, and there's only one. Greatest D. stop. There's only one greatest traveling Wilbury. That's Jeff Lynn, and the greatest band of all time is Electric Light Orchestra. Mr. Blue that Sky, man, you are wrong. That man sounds fabulous and is con- still making great music and sounds great. Uh, Period. Uh, wow. He shots fired. Shots fired. Lynette. Oh, so he doesn't sound as good as he did in like 1970. Sounds... I don't know because I don't listen to him. Well, that's that's your problem. <laughs> Why don't you? I know he wasn't inducted into the Music Hall of Fame, but look, maybe he needs to be inducted to the Hip Hop Hall of Fame. I don't know. Well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Well, this has been a fun podcast. Good. Yeah. <laughs> well worth the wait. Well, worth I miss you guys. See what you've been missing. I love it. I love it. All right, let's go around the table one more time. Anything to plug, Ben? What do you got coming up, my friend? Well, I got some YouTube videos to tell you. Oh, my God, YouTubing. Jesus. <laughs> oh, you've been going way too long. Oh, Chris. Way too long. Oh, and I even had notes on what I wanted to talk about. I wasn't even looking at them. All Gosh, right, Chris, all right. Did, did all right, let beginning me... tell everyone what this podcast was about, and you even <laughs> forgot? I even <laughs> forgot. Jesus. All right, here we go. You ready? You ready Hit for me. this? All right. Uh, I'm going to hit some big – I have so many liked that's out of control, but I'm going to limit it to a couple. Um, all right, I'm going to hit the important ones that you guys need to know about. On YouTube, Bee Gees, one night only, Las Vegas complete full concert. 
hour 50. The hits just keep coming. Olivia Newton-John in the audience. Check it out. It's amazing. It's such a great concert. Check that out. Angry Video Game Nerd. Still pumping out great videos. He did Raid 2020 in 2020. (laughs) The game was called Raid 2020, and he did it in 2000. When did it come out? In 1986 or something. And he was like, I'm going to do Vision." 3700 in the year 3700 <laughs> See you soon. It's, it's so great um and then uh a, a couple more uh the song uh by the bing bong brothers by the lonely <laughs> island was in my head all day please check it out it's a minute 12 but then finally i want to talk about snoop dog i think it's called double g news it's the snoop dog channel and he just has people on they talk and it's like a morning AM talk show and it's Snoop Dogg chops it up with comedian Bill Burr mm. and it's Snoop Dogg and Bill Burr for 32 minutes just talking about their shitty Hondas that they used to drive in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Just put it on in the morning when you're waking up. It's just Snoop and Bill Burr talking about, I don't know, cartoons from the seventies and just, parenting that is probably now illegal that would be considered abuse but that's just the way it was in the 70s great stuff <laughs> love it i love will check it. that one. Oh my gosh rob what do you got my man uh well i've been on a little kick like the last couple weeks um ever since we watched uh uh what's our boy's name who does bop the bop video Oh, uh, the baby. The baby, yeah. He did a, a music video where it's one take and it's singing and dancing, and so it got me watching uh, a lot of Jabberwockies because they're in there. They're the the dance crew that wear the white masks. You guys seen them? They're so fresh and so fly. Oh yeah. So they have a lot of videos. So they the best one is called uh, Jabberwockies versus the Kinjas, and they just have a dance off. It's like a ten minute dance off. And it is absolutely fantastic. And I've been watching other videos kind of like that, where they take, uh, you know, like a dance crew, and they're in their studio, and they all take turns dancing to this one song. But everybody, it's amazing how people can dance and along to these songs, and they're choreographed. So it's just mesmerizing to watch all of these people and how they move to specific songs and right on beat and right on cue and all together. It, it's just absolutely fantastic. So anything Jabberwockies. Or Kinjas. They're, uh, I highly recommend it. Nice. Nice. What, what do you got? I just got one thing. It is the New Mutants trailer. Uh, they finally have set a date. Looks like they finally finished filming. And it looks scary as hell. So I'm super excited about that. Uh, we get to see Maisie. What's her name? Maisie Star. The new Mut- uh, yeah. New Mutants. What did I say? I said New Mutants. Oh. I, I couldn't understand you. Oh, sorry. Um, is, am I mumbling? Usually. New Mutants. Um, yeah. Anywho, looks super scary. Looks super dope. Uh, it's got the girl from Thoroughbred. It's got you know Arya Stark in it. A couple other people I recognize from some new new uh, movies. So I'm excited. Can't wait for that to come. But watch the preview trailer. Love it. Love it. Uh, only thing for me, I've been watching a lot of this show. It's the Pat McAfee show. On YouTube, he's got also got a podcast. He's the former punter for the Indianapolis Colts. 
And he also worked for like the WWE for a short time after he retired. So really interesting career. But what I love about this guy is he doesn't give one bit of, of care in the world about his status or friendships in the NFL. Things like he's just giving you, this is life in the NFL. And um, it's awesome. It's awesome. So if you're, if you ever want to know what, how a locker room reacts to trades um, how they really feel about the Pro Bowl. I mean, all these things. Uh, he, it's, it's a show where he really you know, peels back that curtain to kind of talk about like what really happens, what really happens in the locker room. It's, it's, it's a great, great show. Um, <clears throat> I think all the episodes are free on YouTube, so definitely get a chance to watch that if you have a chance. It's I good. think he's a side commentator during some NFL games. Yeah, he's done to... color commentary, yeah. yeah. yeah he's, he's all over the place. He actually got into a fight at WrestleMania 35 uh, because he wore a kilt. To the event, he was working for the WWE, and apparently a lot of people got angry about that. And uh, he's like, "No, this is yeah. formal Irish attire, but whatever." So yeah, he's like the Gronk for kickers. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> he's fantastic. So definitely get a chance to watch those if you can. So um, all right, well, good. St- now I can finally say it. it's good stuff, guys. Great podcast, um, Ben. Anything you want to plug or coming up at uh, soon? I just want to say, uh, keep cool, babies. <laughs> words never better said than right now well, it gave me the chills wow i'm gonna slid wow. right off my chair oh jesus oh my. bobby what do you got coming up anything you want to plug uh no no i uh I had we're fun not, at basketball the other fun. night i dislocated my pinky too. that was fun oh jeez oh, you all right yeah, I had my buddy pull it back out, and that felt weird having bone slide on other bone. So, you, was it? You make, did you did you react like Eric Roberts does in Best of the Best when they pop your shoulder back in? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was more of like uh, Nicholas Cage and Mandy, where I just sat there and yelled. <laughs> in your underwear in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As I did. Always good. Coke. <laughs> Always good. Uh, Lynette, no, what do you got? On. I don't. Okay. I don't have anything too crazy. Good to know. I might go Good to a show. comedy show this weekend up at Funny Bone. See there if that you go. There you go. All right, Lynette, what do you got going on? Uh, well, I will be in New York City doing the uh, covering the Broadway con Woo-hoo. for this fine podcast with, uh, you know, you. You'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there hosting a couple um, events. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to check out. I got myself, scored myself a ticket to uh, Hades Town. Whoa. So, yeah, I'm going to do it up and do it right. So, I think. That'll, that Hades Town is the David Lynch musical, so I think you'll, yes. you'll enjoy it. It's, it's I'll David. Enjoy it. Is the talking it's, monkey in it? It's close. I'm out. I'm it's out. Close. It's one of those shows where if one popped up on stage, I wouldn't be surprised. So. Yeah, yeah, no. I've already listened to the soundtrack, and I'm just like, <gasps> I can't wait. There you I go. Can't. Yeah. Well, I will also be at BroadwayCon. And, and anybody listening to this podcast, uh, that is basically the Comic-Con for Broadway. And it is huge. So it's a New York Midtown Hilton. Uh, this is our fifth year going to this thing. I've been, I've been there from day one to now. I'm actually going to be hosting three different panels uh, at this thing, which is crazy. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a good event. So we'll definitely be hey, talking about that on the next episode. Hey, can you, guys, can you guys do me a favor? Like, Chris, when you're hosting or you're just there and you have to mention the name, can you uh, say it like this? Can you say Broadway God? <laughs> Star Trek Two. I used I might... to work. I used to work with a doctor whose last name was Khan, and I was the only one on the floor who would yell down the hall, 
Dr. Khan! <laughs> Man, you guys are nerds. <laughs> I love it. I love it. On that note, folks, thank you so much. We will see you right here next week, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Desperate, <laughs> desperately seeking entertainment. Bye-bye.